Stardate 0902.2021. Welcome back to Star Trek Discovery Pod, the kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek. I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have Mariah Gossett and Grant Two. Wait a second. <laughs> Let me adjust my name here. Just Grant. <laughs> Just Grant. Just Grant. I don't need this. Uh, I don't need to be Grant too, <laughs> guys. I just got a text from Clyde. He says he's almost done cooking dinner, so <laughs> he might be on the pod tonight. Okay, fingers crossed that we'll have all four of us here tonight. But this week we're streaming the pod live on YouTube and talking horny mugatos, horny <laughs> gumatos, and of course horny mugatos with our review of episode four of season two of Star Trek Lower Decks Mugatu. Gumatu. Uh, but first, I want to let everybody know that they can join us in the conversation if they want to jump in the chat right now. If you want to talk to us, you want to drop a question about the episode, about the pod, or just a comment, or give us your hot freak, aka hot take uh, of this episode, uh, drop that stuff in the live chat and we'll bring it up. And it looks like we have, as promised, it's Clyde. Hey, Clyde. Hey. We're hey, just doing. I'm here. We're just entering the pod. Good to have you. And, and Mariah, before we dive into our review, can you tell everyone how they can find the podcast? For sure. So it's really easy. You can just visit StarTrekPod.co. There's links to everything there. You can find our YouTube channel. Make sure if you subscribe, you hit that notification bell so you know when we are going live. You can also find links to the audio versions of this podcast if you prefer to listen to it in that way and if you do you should leave us a review we appreciate those kinds of things and i believe in just a few moments we will be announcing the winners of the blu-ray giveaway very exciting oh i hope it's me (laughs) we are gonna announce that i think we're gonna do that after the review so you gotta stick around to find out who wins but great before they do that mike can i interrupt you because i want to tell people how they can support the show Please do. Uh, Hey, you guys can help support us by going to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. And there you can make a per episode pledge. If you give us $2 per episode, eight bucks a month, probably about Uh, you can join our Star Trek Slack channel. You also get access to our bonus exclusive episodes we do from time to time where we're just kind of talking about all things Trek. Sometimes we roll you guys into the conversation and um, even have you come pop on the show with us and join us in the chat. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of engagement with a bunch of really um, smart and loving and uh, kind and considerate Star Trek fans. I think it's a good, healthy environment for chatting about all things Trek. It's very welcoming, and we would love to have you be a part of it. So if you are not only into listening to us chat about uh, Trek, but you are also into like supporting us, you can do that. Go to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. All right, now put down that tangy mogato dung. <laughs> it's time to dive into episode 204 of Lower Decks with some hot freaks. Hot freaks! new one what is that what is that that was so special you guys are not guided by voices fans i can tell all right um who wants to dive in and give me their hot freak on episode 204 of lower decks was that you singing it gumatu uh i wish no it's it's a wonderful (laughs) robert pollard singing it all right hot freaks who's going down I got it. So I really enjoyed this episode. I 
I don't think I laughed as hard as I did uh, last week, uh, this particular week, but I really enjoy the homage to like horror thriller, kind of those original TOS sort of uh, experimental episodes that happen, um, you know, when the the lighting would change and things would get a little spooky with the bartender. Um I thought that was really great. I, I also liked uh, having Rutherford and uh, Boimler together. I, I'm enjoying this season. We get to see some of the partnership shake up and how our characters are sort of developing in those particular areas. Also, who can't identify with some nerds with a complicated board game? Uh, I feel like we all are either that person or have a friend who is that person. <laughs> so uh, I felt like it was good and that we got to know a few smaller more interesting details about each character mariner included and um you know tendy went on quite the mission but yeah overall I, I really enjoyed it i thought it was uh it was fun not as many easter eggs this up which i almost kind of enjoyed because i think we we got to just sort of let the plot breathe so yeah that's my hot break All right. you know what one of my favorite things was about this episode it was the, the bar gorilla tender. sex <laughs> no that was <laughs> That was special in its own. And I was the, the horn stroking. In, in oh. my mind, I was trying to figure out which one of you crazy people was gonna bring it up first. Um no, I like I like the bartender. <laughs> I think the thing about the bartender to me was um so often we see these characters on the ship who when you walk into 10 forward, they're just they're ready to to dis- just give you all the information, right? the Guinan characters, even the Neelix's characters. But the guy in the background who just kept going, are you going to work? <laughs> seemed so appropriate because you're, you're the bartender. You're the only bartender half the time, right? Um, and you're spending all this time talking and explaining and giving people counsel. I was just like, yeah, I, I think the only place where you don't see that happen that much is in DS9 where it feels like you've got this one guy in the back who's always working and never talking. Right. Uh, no, I, about, I, the, about the bartender, uh, Curran says, Otis, the bartender, is no guy in though. Not, you're right. Definitely a, a different vibe going on with yeah, o- Otis. Is, Otis is a little weird. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I'm not, not only am I not going to Otis for, for advice, I'm probably not taking any of that crazy advice he's peddling anyway. Now, yeah. overall, I thought this was a good episode. It w- I wasn't sure where it was going at first. Um, it's, when it started, I was like, okay, you know, maybe I really liked last week. Maybe this is kind of a down episode. But no, I thought it kept going. Um, and I was interested. And again, y- you know, I-, I don't know if I was expecting the four of them to be together all the time. But I, I'm liking these, let's break up and do our own kind of these submissions. Um, and, you know, Mariah, to your point, getting a mix up of the crew, um, I, I really liked. And I, I got to say, Tindy's, I feel like she's really coming into her own um, as a character. And so, I don't know, I, I really, I did kind of enjoy this episode. Um, and I was like, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. Like, that's how I know if it's a good episode, is at the end of it, I'm going... Man, I really can't wait to talk to the guys about it. <laughs> I'm I'm with you. I I love this episode. I was never bored once. The pacing, really, this is kind of a piece with last week's episode. I wasn't here to talk about it last week, but I love that episode too. It's probably one of my favorite episodes of Lower Decks. But this one was great. 
like the pacing was perfect, the references and and the Easter eggs that we did get were hilarious and they they like enhanced the story instead of like detracting or distracting you from it. The more graphic parts, like all the shit eating and people getting their heads ripped off and alien apes getting it on was surprising, but still super funny. And Dan, this was just a blast. Like season two is firing on all cylinders. And this show has truly become a really distinct point of pleasure for Star Trek fans. And I, I love Lower Deck season one, but I find myself really looking forward to the show now um, every week because we haven't had, you know, some good Trek in a while. But also this is obviously made by people who know and love Trek and are celebrating it with in every frame. I also liked that this episode seemed to be kind of clapping back directly at some of the, the detractors of the show who argue that Mariner is too much of a badass or a Mary Sue or whatever, that it's unbelievable. Um, and the show is like, here's not all the reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It turns out this character can be extremely highly skilled under a number of, in a number of levels, here's why, right? Including like all types of Star Trek fighting styles. And she's also a really great friend who recognizes that her other friends, who are a lot nerdier than her, solve problems with nerdy shit like math and diplomacy. And they're just as badass as she is, but in a different way. So I love that. I love the whole team aspect that came together at the end of this episode. So yeah, another winner. And... Oh, I'm also enjoying that the show is leaning into the fact that the doctor is just a giant cat. That's good stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very cat cat yeah. uh, behavior. A horny cat at that. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm right there with all y'all as far as um, loving this episode. I thought that uh, all of the, the character interactions, the, the splitting up of the group and how Boimler and Rutherford work together their nerdy game and how that came back into play at the end with a a compromise in which everyone's not fully happy <laughs> it, it's all just fantastic like the um, most true to life comment i've ever heard though it's like compromises when no one is truly happy <laughs> i i did feel almost like um with mariner at the end talking to the bartender again and hyping up them that there was some element of it of like you know, maybe there is something else a little bit more mysterious still going on with her. Um, either way, if it's not that way, if it is, uh, they they kind of danced with it, I thought. Um, but I, I thought it was fun. Um, just the kind of trope of them allowing a fairy tale to kind of get the best of them and then buying into it too much and getting wrapped up in it. Uh, it it's also funny seeing Rutherford, who we've seen can like crank on his program and, and become an ultimate fighting badass uh, much more comfortable in, in the same realm as Boimler of like, no, let's, let's solve this in a nerdy way. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of fun. The, they're the soft boys. Yeah. Soft I, boys. I, I definitely like um, all the really lowbrow lewd humor. Um, just them of uh, Shaq's just straight up continuing to eat shit all the way around there, and they're like, "Dude, you'll have to keep eating this shit." We can see the. <laughs> I I also just thought there was some um, 
funny like references though to those like nature show dudes mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like those yeah. like, naked naked and afraid or like mm-hmm. the uh bear grills who like like bear grills is never usually in an actual situation where he actually has to drink his pee but does it anyway and so like shacks <laughs> continually tasting the poop was just like very funny to me and then the same thing with that random like adventurer character that boimler and rutherford run into patingi Patingi, when he's like, I have, I have five books on them. Oh, I just read them, which was just like <laughs> such a like a funny call out to those people who think they're an expert on something because they've had like a cursory knowledge base about it. Like, no, I just have. Is, I just have say, those books. I didn't write. Yeah. Them. I it's, it's like all, all. It's like the you know you think they're an expert, but really all they did was stay the, the night at a Holiday Inn. Um, <laughs> yes. No. Or it's, like, oh, I, I listened to a podcast about that, or I saw a TikTok about that, and like, <laughs> I saw a TED talk, or you know, a mm-hmm. YouTube video that you can do this, you can survive in the or, forest, or, or even worse, a TEDx talk. <laughs> we have you some know? hot breaks coming in from from the chat. Uh, Chupi says the best line was, "Those two beautiful nerdy men are negotiating us to safety using the power of math." <laughs> <laughs> Which was a nice, subtle call to Tilly. Hmm. Uh, Cheeky uh, says, enjoyed everything except for the whacking of the horn. (laughs) (laughs) That was a detail that was just, just kiss. (laughs) That was perfect. Uh, Takako says, uh, the Bugatu fucking scene, (laughs) or blank blanking scene, uh, flashed me back to my last visit to the Queen's Zoo. Turned the corner to the gorilla area and whoa, had to turn around. No, nature be naturin'. Yep. (laughs) Nature be naturin'. Turn around. I mean, you're at the zoo. You pay the admission. (laughs) The show is on. That's the best part. You know, I like I like Takako's comment about not picking this episode to invite the kids to watch. Um, Well, you know, because I think our last few episodes have lulled me into this 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 interesting place because I was thinking, oh, it's kind of animated. Could I watch this in front of the kids? Like I actually had that thought this week. And then something in, inside me said, remember that this is the crew from Rick and Morty. And I was like, eh, nah, probably <laughs> not. Probably not, yeah. probably not okay. a good idea. And then today I'm like, hmm, yep. Good call. Confirmed. <laughs> uh, we, we have another good uh, hot freak from Lisa says, I learned today that Shax likes snacking on poo. Kerplikian lice sounds worse than regular lice, and that I never need to see Mugatu sex or masturbation ever again, or anyone's for that matter. <laughs> I don't know, Lise. <laughs> I um got I a did... contrary opinion there. Nope, <laughs> not gonna go there. <laughs> to to try to move us away from um the Poo. scene, the the the, the yeah. The, the fucking, the gorilla fucking? The 13-year-old uh, inside all of us that just wants to talk about the, the poopy Poop. and the caca and the <laughs> everything else. Um, I did really like that we got a small moment of vulnerability from Mariner in this episode because it's like, yeah, she's built up to be this badass and then it gets revealed. It's like she's just been isolated and very lonely and that's why all of these skills have been built up and um, you know, the idea that the Federation has been taken down with lice, I think, is also very like a very comical way to sort of uh, to show that 
it's not always perfect. You know, I think that's part of what I like about this show is it shows us that the Federation isn't going to always be perfect. You know, we also get the like sort of D plot with the captain dealing with the guy who's trying to leave with all of her relics from her office. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But then she tries to spin it like every it was I could see the relationship between Mariner and um, Captain Freeman so well. And you're just like, oh, these are related characters because the way that Freeman spun (laughs) to the Admiral, like, oh, it's a a nature preserve. Everything was great. Of course, there's nothing wrong with the ship. No accidents. (laughs) Nothing has happened. And you're just like, this is where Mariner gets it from, you know? Mm -hmm. Very much. There's something brilliant like, as well about the grift of uh, a ship that like breaks apart as soon as a tractor beam hits it, <laughs> because you know that this that the Starfleet will zap you on board if they see that happening. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought yeah. that that's really um, hilarious and clever that there would be space grifters taking that kind of gamble. I, I thought that was a great scam. Um, I also like the fact that you know, Mariah, you talk about um, Mariner's vulnerability. When she talks about having setting up these stories so that people will leave her alone, I thought it was interesting because you know what? I, I don't know if we've talked about it before, but the idea of does Mariner have a love interest um, kind of on this show. But this was kind of like, I, I don't know. It's it's like the person who goes into a bar with a book. It's like they want to be around, but they don't want you constantly messing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is what I got from that. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Like it, again, every time we turn around, I'm seeing Mariner as a much more three dimensional character than we originally got. She was just kind of mysterious rebel, um, who had all this experience. And now we're seeing her as a person through these little intimate moments. I'm fascinated by it. And this episode reminded us about how special this team is because Mariner is this incredibly gifted type A personality, but she wants to keep people away. She wants to to have a distance from people a little bit, but she embraces really great positive, small, really great positive group of people who are definitely type Bs and, and really quiet. And I think this episode highlighted that, you know, her friends are really different in other ways, but they're just as cool and just as capable and just as smart and awesome. And there's a diversity within this little crew and this little team that just makes this show really special. Are they as cool, though, as Mariner? I don't know about that. I feel like they're they're, cool in different ways. Yeah. I was like, I feel like she's trying to help them find their cool. Right. (laughs) Although I did like at the end when they're just like, how is she kicking our ass at this game? Like she's even good at things. She doesn't realize that she's good at, which I appreciated. Um, But yeah, I, I also liked Tendi's storyline this week in that I know she's been trying to prove herself. And so I thought it was nice that we sort of got this like kind of solo sub, plot with her having to go around it was also a fun tour tour of the ship i always like when we get to see all these different ways that people are interacting we've now confirmed that our old security officer who was a puppet is still around and non-puppeted anymore um and getting to see all of the that's where a lot of the easter eggs you know sort of get to to pop up um and like the surfing on the holodeck i thought all of that was like a very fun sort of almost like a training montage kind of vibe. The uh, the game they were playing was called Diplomath. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> Honestly, though, I probably would have played that game in high school because I did both economic debate and played D&D. And that sounds like you put them yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure a lot of people who watch this show were like, where can I get this game? And then at least 10 of them are creating the game now. And it'll be on eBay next week. Oh, what? That'll be great. <laughs> I'm in. Count me uh, in. We're, we're talking about Easter eggs and stuff. This episode uh, was kind of fun in that it, it referenced an original series episode in which the Mogatu was w- appeared in the episode. But in the script, the Mogatus were called the Gumatus. <laughs> but according to uh, Memory Alpha Legend, DeForest Kelly kept pronouncing it Mogutu. <laughs> <laughs> and then Shatner would pronounce it Mogatu. <laughs> and but it in the script it was called the Gumatu, even as you see in the screen cap here at the end of the episode, it says James whatever as the Gumatu. <laughs> so Janus, yeah. So that's why we kept getting different uh pronunciations of so it. So they just made it canon. They just made it canon. Yeah. You can actually pronounce it, it anyway. It's yeah. <laughs> so brilliant. Uh Marg has a um a comment here. Mariner is exhausting. I, I thought that's kind of interesting. What do you guys think? Um, is she a bit much? I mean, as much as I love Marg, I think she's wrong. <laughs> I can see where you're coming from, Marg, because sometimes Mariner does feel like the, um, like the person who has the answer in every, in every scene to everything is good at everything. And is kind of loud and boastful about it. And it's, it's can be, can come off for some people as obnoxious. And I think this episode was a little bit about the show pulling back on that in which she is highlighting the attributes of, of the other characters and her friends and kind of also giving us uh, something of an explanation for why she is so great at everything. Um, but I think there's a lot more to explore about Mariner and I, I don't find her exhausting. I find her really entertaining. Yeah. I, James Warren's counter counters with she's inexhaustible. <laughs> no, look, I, I I think that I'm excited about her every week, right? Because to me, she is the Riker character with mm-hmm. backstory, right? Like the thing about Riker is Riker was always the guy, right? He he was he was the best at everything. I mean, he really was the handsome the leader the next in line who played the trumpet and got the girl right played the um, trumpet so cool no he played the, the trombone the trombone, the trombone, trombone sorry yeah. i'm in the trombone but the thing about riker is i felt like we never really got to see a total picture of riker right we we got to see all the great a- attributes um and I think we get a little bit of that with Mariner, but we get to see, we're we're really getting a full complex picture of Mariner, whether it is her, you know, from the end of last year to now, this dynamic with her mother and trying to please her mother, but that not working, to seeing some flaws um, and ha- seeing her growth. I mean, I, I do feel like this season feels like the Mariner show, right? I don't know last year in season one if you. Had, said hey Clyde who is the ultimate you know the number one main character I don't know that I immediately would have said well it's Mariner and I don't think there's a two I think it's she's she takes up enough to that the next character is like a three and four this season feels like she she is top billing and everybody else are sidekicks that might be true to an extent but like you know Tendi got her own 
um, her like literally her own story in this episode. And I think the last episode too, I think what's interesting is that Boimler is kind of falling into uh, just kind of one of the crowd here, mm-hmm. especially in this episode. Like he, it was, he was of a pair with uh, Rutherford. There wasn't really like a Boimler centric story like we got in last season, but you did mention um, you did mention our, uh, our favorite Jonathan Frakes and uh, Riker. Uh-oh. And there was a reference a to, setup coming. to something Riker loves to do mm-hmm. in this episode, <laughs> yes, which is the Anbu Jiutsu, the uh, the sporting program that they were playing. Those were actual costumes that were in uh, live action in a TNG episode, in which and, uh, wow. they were trying to recreate Tron, apparently. So am I the only one, and Grant, I know this doesn't count for you, but am I the only one who originally, when they saw this, thought this was one of the coolest things ever? Is that just me? Maybe it's just me. Like in in the original? In the original TNG, when it showed up, I was like, that that is the cool, give me more. And this This episode just made me laugh at it. Like, I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Oh, you you like these original outfits? Well, but also you're talking about somebody who watched Tron 15 times right right okay. so i, I thought it. I this it. was i thought this was kind of cool now when i was a child and i saw this i thought wow they need a budget and i was a <laughs> child all right um i thought it was a fun ref I, it wasn't a reference i picked up on immediately it's definitely what i had to to google so um yeah. uh i have another question for you guys do you think that rutherford plays a bit differently when he's with with Boimler as far as um, his personality versus when he was with with Tendi or the whole group. I I, I kind of found that he he felt a bit more of um, geeky and reserved in this episode than Usi yeah, previously. I, I had a note here that this episode Boimler fied Rutherford. Well, see, I don't know if it's Boimler. So here's my take on it. And this might be a controversial take. Maybe it won't be. When Rutherford is around Tindy, he feels like the guy who has a female friend who's secretly in love with his female friend. So he's he he acts a certain kind of way. He's almost trying to impress her a little bit. When he's with Boimler, it feels like take that same guy and 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 then put him around his best friend and they're literally playing D&D, right? Like, that's what it felt like to me. Like, it was like, oh, this is Rutherford when he's kind of relaxed around his nerdy best bud. Yeah. I almost got the vibe, though, too, you know, maybe the what y'all are picking up on, Mike, is that I think Boimler has a little bit more leadership confidence after spending some time on the Titan, even though he did get kicked off. It's like after going through the many big adventures on that ship, you know, running away from uh, Gumatu's is like the least of his worry at this point. Um, And so I thought it was interesting to see Boimler essentially take a a bigger like leadership point, you know, even when he's just like, we are special, you know, like we are strong here. And he's like, no, it's our minds. Like our minds are what's going right. <laughs> to take not us our skins. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, Mariah, that's interesting that you bring that up because I, I guess I hadn't thought about it, but season one Boimler, he was really all about trying to get promoted, mm-hmm. right? Trying to get recognized so that he can get to a ship like the Titan. And he has a very different feel since he's been back. It's, it's less about trying to get off the Cerritos and advance and more about really being a part of the Cerritos. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like we're really watching him find out what he wants. Right. Because we, he thought he knew what he wanted, but it wasn't for him. Well, I guess what else I'm wondering is do, do we think that, um, did we get kind of a, a reboot of Rutherford? I know that like he had his adjustment of his headset, but does that mean that the, the Rutherford that we saw kind of evolve and realize his, his strongest place on um, the ship and that he was actually really qualified for a range of things so much so that like Shax takes him under his wing and is impressed by his fighting prowess and all that was all of that essentially erased and he's kind of back to his a little bit more naive baby state, I guess. I don't think so. I think it's just what the episode and the story dictates at this point. Right. I'm pretty sure we'll get to see a little more. Uh, I know that's like a boring answer. It's like, Oh, the writers needed him to do this this week, but that's kind of what it is. Yeah. With the idiot ball or whatever. (laughs) I do think there is a bit of an argument to be made to what Grant is saying, though, is like, you know, I don't know if he remembers that he, you know, went on this crazy secret mission with Shax and maybe has that um, same knowledge base of like his capabilities. It's sort of like relearning. It's like if you get a, a new operating system on your phone or your computer and you're just like, now I don't know where anything is anymore. Like what happened to my to my you know dock and all that kind of stuff i feel like it's maybe a little bit of that vibe um, right can someone I, confirm for me does he remember that because i know he knows about it he knows that Shax sacrificed himself for mm-hmm. rutherford before Shax mysteriously came back to life but like, I, mean, I got the sense that he remembered it occurring to the point where he was shocked but i think that there's it, it feels almost like there's a little bit of holes in his memory or um maybe not so much holes in his memory so much as he can't draw upon learned skills in the same regard, uh, like in a more like matrix esque download. I know Kung Fu kind of thing. Like he doesn't, he doesn't seem to um, have that same confidence when those Mugatos or whatever start attacking. Um, Mm -hmm. He's, he's crouching and, and screaming just like Boimler. And then they're both getting out of Dodge when they think that uh, Mariner is, attacking shacks and sucking his blood so <laughs> uh Chupi does make a good point that mm-hmm. uh rutherford was very confident in the presentation to the ferengi <laughs> <laughs> they watch a lot of shark tank they're great I, uh, <laughs> yes. it's funny that uh the uh the that like makeshift cannon thing that they brought in was actually a projector and that was of course a reference to yes. the tos episode <laughs> in which kirk fights the gorn and he does this like makeshift bamboo cannon to kill the gorn <laughs> in that in the arena episode which you can see on screen here. speaking of gorn um i couldn't take my eyes off of captain freeman's like relic collection mm-hmm. and when he was like yeah and the uh he mini took gorn. everything he took everything <laughs> I was kind of like, that's a pretty cool collection. I was like, I, I want to. Quite a bit of guilt she was doing. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Was. Two Gorn references in this episode, right? That and mm-hmm. the stuffed Gorn or whatever she mm-hmm. had. I um, I did want to circle back just for a minute I, with the like, uh, with Mariner, the like exhaustiveness of her. I I don't know if this is what the show is trying to dig into. You know, maybe if it was Discovery, I would think about something like this. But there is like this concept of using perfectionism as a guard and as a response specifically to trauma. And so I do wonder if some of what this character development could be around is the idea that she did seek out perfectionism for a while and then it didn't work out for her 
And so this skill set that she has is in a response to this sort of trauma around being alone uh, on all of these different ships. Right. It, it definitely felt a bit like there was still some element of deflection for her and being like, oh, no, it's just because I'm lonely. That's why I know all these skills. But we've already had a little bit of her past kind of peeled away and revealed to us in that she she got re- she was really um, on this fast track to a quick promotion and she got burnt out. So some of this doesn't necessarily track with where we know there was some incident that just caused her to kind of combust and need to go back to a safe place with her, her mom as captain to kind of like oversee her almost. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's an interesting point, Grant, because when I look at, if you think about all this, this incredible experience she has, right. It's, it's like, she's, she's been on all these ships. She's been in all these experiences. Every time she goes on a away mission, she knows a guy who who knows a guy who can get stuff like she has all this stuff but it i do get the sense of you know when you look at you know um ransom right when you look at the the cat doctor i'm wondering if we see people who are kind of lonely because they're in these these big leadership mm-hmm. positions like even on TNG the only thing we really saw was i mean the, to, to break that idea was the poker game Right. And so, but this idea that they have these really rich relationships, it's almost as though Mariner, especially because she's also, at least she, she presents very young, the idea that she was young and gifted and alone and these, I hate to bring him up, but a la Wesley Crusher. Right. Best character on TNG. But if you think about it, like Wesley had no one who was really his peer. Mm-hmm. His closest peer was Data, right? Maybe Jordy on occasion. And Jordy had some other things going on. So Wesley, no, like, well, I mean, he was <laughs> he was always chasing and never catching women. Um, true, true. So, you know, and for in Jordy's sense, Wesley Crusher is not the type of dude you want to be as your wingman. Just saying. That's, <laughs> You'd yeah. be better off with the Android. So I, I, if, if, if you see Mariner almost like a, you know, a souped up Wesley Crusher, young prodigy, then I imagine that was very, it was very alone. And now she finds herself on the Cerritos where she's in the lower decks with friends, right? Friends who seem to be her peer group, her own age, like where she would be if she had this natural progression and didn't grow up on a starship. Um, and so it, it feels like this is this is what she's been missing, at least for now. And much like Michael Burnham, I think we all expect at some point she'll step back into leadership and be awesome. That's a really good point about her, mm-hmm. her isolation in the past and may, because of her, her gifts, right? Just like, just like mm-hmm. Wesley, that's a great point. And also, Grant, you put this up on the screen earlier, but Lise said Mariner is insecure. And yeah, she is... Um, presenting as a classic underachiever right she she has the skills she's brilliant um but she's in the lower decks and she's explained to the other characters before man this is this is a life you know you lay back in the cut you know so you don't have to do all the work or have all all the responsibilities Mm -hmm. of being a leader um but we know that she does have the chops to be able to do that 
Um, but it just does leave a lot of questions open. Like Grant, you talked about, was there a traumatic experience that stopped her from, from really climbing the ladder in Starfleet? Or did she just realize, I don't want to do this anymore. We really don't know. I have a, an interesting prediction. I know we haven't done a lot of predictions for Lower Decks. because A Mariah one. prediction? I'm excited! I think Mariner has a sibling. And I would wonder if something happened with that sibling. Because she gives the aura of big sister energy. Oh, okay. and, and of course, a Mariah <laughs> prediction did not disappoint. Did so, not disappoint. That's my prediction. My prediction. I don't, I don't have a Mariah prediction graphic, so I'll just... Uh, <laughs> oh, can we get like a Mariah Frakes and then still have like the beard goatee come down? <laughs> oh, a Mariah? Like a, a goatee mm-hmm. a Mariah? Oh yeah, that'd be great. I'm I, sure there's I, a Snapchat filter I can find for that. <laughs> so so last week's episode was my 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 favorite episode of the season. This week's episode was my second favorite episode of the season. Not surprisingly, because it was so good and so funny, but it is a surprise because this episode had not one, but two Enterprise references. Star Trek Enterprise, the TV show references. One oh. was a hilarious <laughs> one. Not not the Enterprise show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not the Enterprise, okay. the ship, but the show. Oh, no. Okay. I'm not going to sing. We had a Dr. Flox reference at the beginning with the oh. Gnobulans freaking out and puffing out their face. That's what they okay. are. Okay. Okay. Good, Which is good. really hilarious. It's not not, and, not a bad one. And then the other one was kind of kind of subtle and kind of weird, uh, but it was there. Are you gonna have a graphic show? Is that what's I'm going waiting. on here? I mean, I'm I'm in. It was, yeah, it was a, the Ferengi whips. Oh. the Ferengi light whips, which we only oh. seen, I believe, in one episode of Enterprise. Um, which a lot of people griped about because the Ferengis are not supposed to be in Enterprise because Enterprise takes place before the TNG and we didn't know about the Ferengi until the TNG era. Whatever. Canon. Throw it out the there window, was right? a, an interesting call uh, reference to Deep Space Nine so much that, that Mariner, I think, even says the name of the episode when she's just like, do you know, Quark, these are some um, oh, yeah. outpost uh yeah. Outpost level Ferengi. <laughs> of course we know Quark. <laughs> that was great. Star Trek is great because it can have it both ways. It can show like the the great pro- progression uh or the how certain species like break out of those stereotypes, like Quark and Rom and all basically all the Ferengis in DS9 just broke out of the the stereotypical thing of the Ferengi being like money grubbing hucksters. Um, Mike, but in this, but in this episode, we get the money grubbing hubs, you know, uh, hucks. Hey, Mike, you're getting crushed in the chat, buddy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah there's... <laughs> the whips were in TNG, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, but why is this guy wearing a? Uh, uh, also, they're an also Enterprise. Episode. Also, no, yes, it, they're saying I mean, also. Yeah, oh, also. also. Right. Now, now you owe it to God, us. You, Mike is wrong about the Ferengi light yeah. <laughs> Now, you, now you have to sing the Enterprise thing. Pretty much, you owe it yep. to him. All right, guys. All right, who gives a fuck? Okay. Go. Oh, oh no. Okay. I'm uh, glad you guys in- broke Mike. No, uh, no. Uh, yes. <laughs> sing it. Hey, I'm okay. I, I've watched enough episodes and. You know, not to plug the Patreon, but for two dollars, you can 
come hang out in the watch longs. And see, I'm immune to Mike singing now because when the theme song comes on, like everybody chats the theme song. (laughs) I kid you not every week. They chat the theme song. They actually put musical instruments and they say the, it's, it's the whole thing. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't know if y'all have anything else you wanted to talk about in this episode, but I was going to say, speaking of theme songs, we did get the intro to Prodigy this week. That's right. It was fucking cool. It blew me away. I didn't realize it was the intro that I was watching. I thought it was just a special like promo video, but it was beautiful. Like they're really pouring some love and some heart and soul into this show. It'd be cool. Yeah, it's very uh, adventury, like very uh, cinematic. Um, and I thought all the visuals look great, so I'm very excited to see where it's going. Also, we got a uh, a board queen confirmed for season two of Picard, and it's going to be um, Annie Worshing, who mm-hmm. was in Twenty Four. And she's in a bunch of stuff. Um, She's a really sweet person. I interviewed her back in the day when she was on 24. And she's a really good actor. Um, And she kind of looks like the board queen. So I think that's going to work. We have a question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I I don't even remember what I was going to say now. So go for it. (laughs) We have a question from Michael L. Pod, are any of you wishing the show got back to the Pac-Led storyline? I'm kind of missing that. And by the way, if you guys want to ask questions, you can type POD and hit us up in the chat. It is um, interesting because um, Mike McMahon has says has said that the pack lids are the going to continue to be to be the big bad in season two. But I don't mean it. That just means in the background when sometimes we flash to the Titan and they're ba- they're battling the pack lids, or maybe we hear about it. And obviously, the Cerritos has nothing to do with it because they're stuck on animal control duty or whatever. <laughs> I don't even really remember what the Packlids were. Were they like the Ravagers, essentially? The people that just like go and pick up trash from uh, like yeah. ships and then destroy other ships so they can just gather their, their garbage? Yeah, they were the one, they were the big threat in the finale of season one. And they had that, that kind of cold together ship of different ships. And they thought every single Starfleet vessel was the Enterprise because they're stupid, but okay. somehow smart. And then um, they're also the ones that the uh, Titan was fighting in every episode um, when season two started. Do they seem a little bit more like a low-level threat that that is more appropriate for the Cerritos then than like something that? that well, that's the thing because in, in TNG they were always a really low-level threat, but um, they've kind of leveled up in in LDS, so they are a threat now, which is interesting. They're like a real threat. Uh. Here's another question from uh, Chike who says, did anyone notice that the ship in Pro- in the Prodigy intro was just flying through all the main characters? Oh, I don't know if I noticed it yet. I'll have to watch it a few more times. Like, what does that mean? Like through their, like their chests or space or something? Like, No, it's like when you look through it, you'll turn around and it'll be like a face, right? In uh, the stars, not an mm-hmm. actual person. But because uh, you just the, the theme or the intro just really sees this the ship flying all over. But what you're really getting at is 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 it people? Um, it's like Chiki's that movie point, Inner Space where the it, they <laughs> inject Dennis Quaid inside Martin Short. <laughs> Chike, I, I I didn't notice until I saw Janeway. So mm, sort I of did notice I was, the Janeway. Yeah, that was that was the only one I noticed. So now I've got to go back and see who everybody else was. 
James Worm has an interesting comment about mm. the pack lids. He says, I like that they were a threat, but I don't like that they feel like it's stereotyping against mentally underdeveloped. You know, I kind of, I've always felt that mm. ever since uh, their depiction in TNG. And also, you know, against against overweight people as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, TNG was a, was a, we had a different understanding um, an improper understanding. And so I could see that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember in TNG having that, watching TNG having that question. I didn't have it so much when I've seen them recently. Um, but I've never really cared for them as a as a threat, mainly because, maybe to James's point, it, it mostly seemed like they didn't understand what was going on. And they they had a fairly rudimentary view of what they were trying to do versus what the Federation was trying to do. And it, it, it didn't seem strategic, I guess, is one way to say it, mm-hmm. where most of the big, bad enemies that we see, you know, have a strategic goal in mind of usually world domination. Right. Yeah, that's an, I hadn't hadn't heard that critique. I had never I don't think I've seen an episode of TNG where they were included. Um, so I'm only really familiar with them in the lower decks sort of world, which thus far, it just feels like very cartoonish. So I don't know if that's like why it seems less, um, you know, o- offensive in this. And that's not the right like way to say that but i didn't notice that that's potentially what the characters were sort of stereotyping in this particular instance so yeah imagine this the same exact depiction of the species but in live action but not as savvy yeah 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 that it was it was a little tough yeah for sure yeah uh, so apologies for bouncing back and forth between Packlids and the prodigy uh trailer but if Mm -hmm. we go back to that prodigy trailer i just gotta say this must be just for Star Trek diehard fans, but <laughs> these long intros of the ship yeah. flying through space, I'm skipping all of the intros. I like I yeah, I don't want to watch them. My I, note on that tr- on that on that opening for Prodigy was like this is great. And then when I realized it was actually the opening to the show that they're going to play in every episode, I'm like mm. this is long. That's just well, padding. Yeah, <laughs> I, I look at it. I mean, to be honest with you, I think this is a great thing to watch once, maybe yeah. twice. But if I'm being completely honest, even with lower decks, I'm skipping the intro. Yeah, I, I mean, the only intro I don't, bits. the only intro oh. I don't skip, of course, is it's been a long time. <laughs> there there it is. Wait, 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 wait. There we go. Getting from that here. I mean, you got to keep that one on, especially when it goes pop in like the second or third season. Oh, you just made me a happy boy. It's not going to be stuck in my head for the rest of my night. I can actually hear it. I'm playing yeah. the hits, baby. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the the music for Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just got such a um, a, a swell. It, it's mm-hmm. like epic, but I don't, still, and I really sequence. like the, the graphic design that's going on with like the the spinning of the ship and like extruding um, all the parts and all that. It's it's really cool how they they did that. And even then, I I can't sit through that whole thing. <laughs> I'll get to a little bit and I'll go skip. You you know what you know was also a epic theme song, completely non related was Game of Thrones. But what I loved about the intro they made it interesting each time. 
well, it, it made it interesting each time. It was slightly different. And kind of, I, you know, at some point you realize, wow, if I pay attention to the intro, I'm going to know where this episode takes place um, and what's what's significant in this episode that I'm watching. Yes. Uh, yeah, the Star Trek intros, like I said, fascinating to watch the first time, first couple times. Not not that fascinating after that. Though I will say, I'm really excited about Prodigy, I, only because I feel like we're going to get animated adventure, which is going to be different from animated comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that intro set it up like, oh, this is this is serious. And I guess this is the first time that I looked and said, oh. They don't have a giant monster sucking on the back of their ship as they're trying to fly away. (laughs) Yeah, lower decks. Yeah, lower decks is like, look at all these people fighting, and we're gonna run away. The Borg. Nope. (laughs) You know, it's stuff like that. But yeah, I looked and was like, wow, this is. I'm I'm getting excited about serious animation now. Yeah, Yeah, me too. And uh, and I know I think right next week the eighth is Star Trek Day, so there's gonna be. I think we are potentially getting. A strange new worlds trailer hell yeah hell yeah you, you guys are excited not get about my this? hopes up yes i'm very strange excited new worlds with pike hell yeah i mean mm. handsome mount i think i feel so, like we're gonna get something what's the deal with all these star trek days there's captain picard day which has tons of zoom panels there's first contact day and then there's star trek day yeah like hey I mean, I'm not I'm, complaining. It's just I'm it's funny. listen. I, I'm complaining. <laughs> Whatever gets me to it. a new Star Trek episode, mm-hmm. like almost every day of the year, when we get there, not every day. Sorry, every week. Every week. Every day. Every week. Every day. <laughs> oh day That's too much. Sorry, I misspoke. <laughs> every week. If I can get a new Star Trek episode every week of the year, I'm be a happy dude. Yeah. Let's let's wrap up our little news section here. Um, the Borg Queen confirmed for Picard season two. Uh, the Prodigy credit intro se- sequence is pretty sweet. And just a reminder, here's where we stand on the shows coming out. All the new shows. Discovery, later in 2021. Discovery season four. Prodigy, late 2021. After that, Picard season two in 2022. Strange New Worlds, later in 2022. Star Trek Section 31, never. Star Trek, <laughs> the next Star Trek movie, also never. <laughs> Enjoy that. Vaporware. There, there was this moment where, Mike, when you said that, I was like, oh, did something happen that I missed? And then you yeah. said never. I was like, nope, that's exactly <laughs> what I thought. Let's get oh. to our contest winners. So yeah. um, the contest was we, we, we got some uh, some great uh, Blu-ray packages of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, um, beautiful transfers on this. And, of course, tons of special features. And, you know, you can have it forever on Blu-ray. And so um, you had to subscribe to our YouTube by uh, August 31st, which was a few days ago. And then we uh, randomly picked from a number generator um two winners so we're gonna announce them now oh boy drum roll drum roll the the helicopter flying past my apartment can be the drum roll right now (laughs) (laughs) all right and you had a graphic for this grant is that right oh well i'll I'll put up the winners names after you announce them oh okay and jamel crick was our first winner i'll put up both of them i guess (laughs) (laughs) i have one graphic (laughs) A second winner was Captain RGD. 
So if you're congratulations. watching, congratulations. Hey, nice. Uh, we will contact you via YouTube slash Gmail uh, this week and let you know that you won. Uh, and nice. hopefully we'll be having more giveaways as uh, more more um, more Star Trek shows become available on uh, on Blu-ray. Thank you for subscribing. Now that you won, you can just go ahead and hit unsubscribe. <laughs> You're no. done. You're in the clear. <laughs> this guy. So pessimistic. This guy. This guy. <laughs> I'm cynical. I know yeah. what people do. <laughs> oh, so cynical. Can, uh, not only uh, continue to subscribe, but uh, continue to go on to all of your friends' accounts and subscribe too, because mm-hmm. we don't care if people are actually watching the videos. We just want the number of subscribers Listen number to, to be right. Goodness all right. Gracious. So well done. Like good call, Mike. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> on that note, anything else you guys want to say about this episode of uh, of Lower Decks or um, any of the Star Trek news? I mean, I'm stoked to see what happens next week on Star Trek Day. I fingers crossed we get some Strange New Worlds trailer or maybe uh, another trailer for Discovery. Either mm. one would make me a very happy camper. I'm with Mariah. I need more trailers. I need more content. I'm enjoying this, but it's just making me want more. Yeah, it's fun. Um, my my only uh, request is that Mike continues to sing the Enterprise thing. <laughs> We're going to get a copyright infringement. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we were pressing up against that limit real close. We're getting close. We get, we get like 10 seconds, seconds before they get mad at us. <laughs> All right. In lieu of that, I'll just. Hot freaks! Hot freaks! There it is. <laughs> That's okay. also good. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the live pod. We'll be back next week with another dive into Lower Decks with a review of the fifth episode of season two uh mariah tell people where they can find the pod and such don't forget you can visit star trekpod.co to find links to everywhere you can find the video and the audio versions of this podcast and don't forget to subscribe to us on youtube and click that notification bell so you know when we are going live clyde where can people also find us on the internet hey when you it I can't talk. So uh, <laughs> if you want to not listen to me talk, but you want to follow us, you follow us on social media at Star Trek Pod. Um, so yeah, wherever you your social medias are found, Insta, Twitter, that's where you'll find us. And patreon.com slash Star Trek Pod. There you can go to help support the show. Just go give us two bucks an episode. It makes it really easy to sign up. You only get charged if we put out content that you can listen to with your own two ears. One ear, if you only have one ear, you know, no judgment. <laughs> and uh, you can also join us over on our Star Trek Slack channel if you go ahead and do that $2 um, an episode pledge. And we'd love to have you over there. We appreciate all of your support. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to all the live folks watching us live. And remember to subscribe on YouTube and to the pod. Live long and prosper. Bye.